Welcome to the Salem Witch Podcast presented by TrueSalem.com. My name is Joel and my guest today is Rory O'Brien. He is an author, history lover, and tour guide in Salem, Massachusetts. And the interview today is particularly interesting for a number of reasons. First off, if you listen to the Thorn Mooney episode, episode three, you'll know that due to a technical issue, I kind of got behind with posting these podcast episodes. And Rory is among the set of people, unfortunately, who there's been a bit of a lag between when I interviewed him and when I'm able to post the episode. We talked this past summer, but in this case, that makes this interview particularly interesting because Rory as a tour guide and Salemite was very much looking forward at that point to October 31st, unsure of what it would bring. I'm posting this the day before Halloween, in part because I think it's fascinating to listen to what his perspective and my perspective were this summer on what Halloween could be juxtaposed up against what Halloween actually became in 2020. So it's a bit of a time capsule of what we were hoping Salem would be like in October. This is a fascinating uh, little interview to check out. I also find this interview particularly fascinating because I first stumbled upon Rory's work in March. And around that time, the coronavirus pandemic was just breaking out. I, If you were watching the YouTube videos back then, you'll know that around March, I went to Tennessee to be with my family, right? When everything started to shut down because... I live, you know, way, way, way far away from my family and decided that it would be better to be close to them because everything was so uncertain back then, like it's so certain now. <laughs> but in that uh, period when I was in Tennessee missing New England because March, April is when it starts to get warm again in New England and, and going outside starts to become bearable. So if you live in New England, you know that that's kind of the time when, when it gets cool to be going to the water and going to parks and checking out new stuff and going to stores again and feeling like a human. And I was missing all of that. And so in Tennessee, I decided to do a little bit of Googling and see what Salem fiction authors I hadn't come across, find a good spooky story to settle down with. And I stumbled on a little book called Gallows Hill by Rory. Now, this is an installment in the Linux series. That's two N's, L-E-N-N-O-X. These are a series of very interesting mysteries set in Salem, kind of cop, procedural, contemporary, spooky, good murder, fun time books. After I read the book, I decided to reach out to him. We started sharing work, and when I got back to New England, I had him on the show. We talk about all kinds of interesting things in addition to Halloween, and his books particularly fascinating to me is hearing Rory talk about what it is like to be a tour guide in Salem, both in the age of the coronavirus and outside. I would actually love to hear what his thoughts are um, about being a tour guide around Halloween, how much he's engaging with that and not engaging with that. I know my perspective, if you didn't watch uh, or listen to Salem's Ghost, I'm not doing Halloween at all in Salem this year. I'm just keeping my distance, even though I don't have to. I'm not under any state mandates or anything like that. I'm just deciding not to participate because it looks a little bit too dangerous to do so. From what I've heard, Rory is mostly keeping his head down as well. So it makes listening to a conversation between two people in the summer who are very hopeful that something might be in place before Halloween. Listening to that, knowing that basically Halloween was canceled, I think is particularly interesting. 
The only other thing to know before we jump into this episode is that we did have some technical issues with internet dropping out. So you may hear in the audio a little bit of a jump forward in time or see it in the video if you're watching this on YouTube. Apologies for that. I tried to clean it up whenever I could, but you will no doubt notice it. All right, that is all you need to know. Be sure to check out the description for a bunch of links to Rory's stuff and to Salem's stuff. You can find links to his books directly, his website, his tours, all that good stuff in the description. And without further ado, here is my interview with Rory O'Brien. O'Brien, uh, my first question for you is you're, you're originally from New England, yes? Yes, uh, from Providence, Rhode Island originally. Ah, when did you end up in Salem? Uh, how do we end up in Salem? Uh, I, my wife and I were living in Providence and I was doing walking tours in Providence. That's where I'm, I'm from originally. And my wife, who has the real job, uh, works right in downtown Boston. And Providence to Boston, that's two hours each way every day. Uh, and that was killing her. And she said, I, I think I would like to move someplace closer. So I'm not uh, taking this crushing commute every day. And we had spent some time in Salem and we both kind of liked it. It's a funky, weird tourist town. And we, we kind of liked the, the vibe. Um, so we set our sights on Salem and uh, I had written uh, Gallows Hill, the, the first uh, Lennox mystery. So I had gotten to know the town uh, reasonably well. So it ended up being uh, Salem because Salem is 26 minutes away from Boston on the commuter rail. All right. All right. And how long ago was that? That was six years back. Oh, so you're fairly recent. Fairly recent. Yeah. Oh, wow. When did you start doing tours in Salem? Um, I think the year after we got here. Um, I had done a walking tour in, in Providence for 14 years. So when we moved up to Salem, I started up a walking tour because it's the only life I know. <laughs> what is that like? I'm so fascinated by the walking tour scene in Salem uh, because it seems like it's a circus from the outside. Is that kind of how it feels to be in it? It, it can be. Um, in, in Providence, I was almost the only game in town. Um, I, I was doing a spooky walking tour but for me, the spooky stuff was just a way to get into talking about history. Mm. So um, the, the, the Providence Ghost Walk, which is the tour that I did, it was all um, history, legend, folklore, uh, literature, because I was a lit major. And so there was me doing that. And then there were the little old ladies at the Historical Society doing the, the real history uh, walking tours. And then uh, when we moved up to Salem, yeah, at, at last count, there were, I think, uh, 40 walking tour companies in town. Jeez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, and, and many of them have multiple people working for them, you know. So right. it, it well, I mean, we all know each other and we, we generally get along. Uh, but there are definitely sometimes that, uh, particularly in October, when you get big crowds, uh, you will get, you know, a tour on each corner at an intersection, uh, all kind of, you know, waiting for our chance to get over to the spot and talk about uh, whatever we need to talk about there. So, <laughs> I guess we all largely get along. And Are then, there? Of course, in November, we tend to, to get together and, and have dinner and, uh, you know, talk about 
what's the stupidest question you got this year? <laughs> what yeah, I would love there. You could almost make a web series or something out of <laughs> tour guides at a bar. Very specific web series. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What exactly is your tour like in Salem? What What could uh, uh, visitors expect if they if they went on a tour with you? Assuming things are back open and everything's sort of normal again. That that's that's the big question. Yeah. Uh, what's it going to look like? You know, this year. What's it going to look like going forward? Um, the I do two tours. I do uh, a a daytime afternoon tour, which is a straight history of Salem. Um, you'll hear about Puritans. You'll hear about uh, the spice trade. You'll hear about Leslie's retreat and the fire of 1914. You will of course hear about witches uh, and the witch trials because you, you can't really get away from that uh, in Salem. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty straight uh, history of Salem. The evening tour is a little more blood and guts. Um, there's, you know, the witch trials again, uh, but there's also the murder of Captain White and mm. Parker Brothers making the Ouija board uh, and, and the, the, the bloodier, uh, spookier aspect uh, of Salem's history. I am a big old skeptic, so I, I don't talk about orbs and EVPs and cold spots and you know, dude, it's wicked haunted in there. Um, that, that's not my tour. <laughs> so, and the, the evening tour, uh, it's called the Magic Lantern. And the evening tour, I, um, I have a, a, a digital projector that displays images. So I can bring you to the Garden of Pingree House where Captain White is murdered in 1830. And I can sh shine illustrations of the murder on the building itself. Uh, so it's the only illustrated walking tour in town. That is so cool. I, I'm very pleased with that. How big is the projector? <laughs> Do you carry it around? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tiny. It's it's this big oh wow uh, yeah yeah it's it's uh it's living in the future <laughs> off a smartphone wow look at you that's clever that's I'm, good I'm, I'm pleased um so what is what is it like being in the salem tourism industry just 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 in general um i, I guess i'll caveat that by saying up until march of this year and then <laughs> and then also what's it like now um it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you, you get to meet people from all over the world. Um, and uh, I, I, one of the things I love doing a, when doing a tour is, is seeing the light bulb go off in somebody's head um, where they say, oh, I never realized that. Um, the, the one thing that I can always kind of rely on getting a <gasps> reaction from is when I'm in the Charter Street Cemetery, uh, I will point out that, you know, this is a headstone, which was, with the person's name and, and dates on it. And about six feet behind that is a smaller stone, and that is a footstone. And people go, wow, they never knew that you had a headstone and a footstone. Um, <laughs> I always get a great reaction from, from that little bit of information. Uh, so people love that. And I, I love seeing that moment where they go, oh, wow, now that makes sense. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's always fun for, for me to... Uh, be able to go over stuff with people that, uh, and, and just clarify things, you know, Oh, that's what Puritanism is about. I didn't understand what the Puritans wanted. Um, so it's always kind of fun, uh, to, to help people understand stuff uh, a bit there. There was one guy and I, I felt so bad about this. Um, this, you know, frat boy kind of comes on, uh, the tour and he's got a, I'm not a sports guy. So he's got some, you know, sports Jersey on, he's got his backwards baseball cap. And I thought 
your girlfriend is making you come on this and I'm so sorry. You're going to be so bored. I did not say this. That's, that's my, my inner monologue. I'm so sorry. You're going to be so bored with all of this. That guy was totally into it. He had great questions at every stop. Um, he, he had a blast and I completely misjudged him. And, and yeah, that that's, that's on me. Um, I apologize to you, Patrick, if you're watching. <laughs> you remembered his name. Wow. I do remember his name. Uh, yes, he, he's a sweet guy and he was totally into it and he was a lot of fun. Wow. So what, what is sort of like the area of, of Salem history that you most like diving into during your tours? Ooh, um, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to pick a favorite, I guess, um, because the, uh, the material is kind of all over the map um, right. chronologically. Um, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could pick a favorite period. Um, you know, the, the spice trade is one of the, the, the periods that Salem likes to look back to and say, this is when we were one of the wealthiest cities uh, in America. Mm -hmm. And um, there were so many ships sailing out of Salem Harbor for foreign ports that there were, uh, countries on the other end of the spice trade that thought Salem was another nation because there were so many ships coming from Salem. Wow. Um, so that, that's kind of amazing. Uh, the revolution is a, a fascinating period. Um, I'm also, uh, I quite like uh, the witch trials. I mean, I don't like the witch trials, but I find them endlessly fascinating. <laughs> Who likes the witch trials? <laughs> Who likes the witch trials? Um, but, you know, you, for me, I, I try to give people as close to the real story as I can. Uh, you know, again, like, like I said, with, you know, not being uh, one for orbs and EVPs and cold spots, I'm, I'm not one of these folks who stands there and says, well, it was ergot poisoning or sure. you know, they really were witches. Um, Cause that's just not really accurate. What are, what are some of the big misconceptions that you find uh, tourists have about Salem when they come on your tour? Like, what are you constantly having to be like, no, they weren't burned at the stake or, or you know, are there, are there a few things that stand out? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, they weren't burned at the stake. That's, that's always a big one. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just women. That's another big, uh, it doesn't really break down that way. Uh, there's a whole lot of, you know, boring, prosaic uh, kind of reasons. There's, you know, economics and, and bad history between people and you know I've lived next to you for 20 years and you play your music too loud and I hate your guts <laughs> uh, and now I'm gonna take it out on you during uh, during the witch trials you know um, so it's it's the the reasons behind it seem to me to be a lot more um, you know boringly pedestrian uh, and, and frustratingly so uh, than, than these kind of big big picture uh, sweeping theories right and it yeah and i imagine for for tourists uh they've probably not been approached too much with the more granular you know examination of the the myriad reasons why this particular year occurred in our history yeah there's a lot of moving parts to it um if they do come here uh with some knowledge they tend to know it from the crucible right uh, which is not accurate in fact uh, Arthur Miller in his introduction uh, to the play the first line of his introduction is this play is not history uh, <laughs> everyone seems to forget that right yeah so so as a, a skeptic in Salem I mean I, I'm sort of I find my brain kind of winding around back to this 
skeptic side of you because I've read your work. Um, so I guess I have uh, the question that I want to ask is something like, as someone who's somewhat skeptical about ghosts and woo-woo, I guess, can we say that generally? Sure. Okay. Um, I do feel an enchantment with Salem in your work that does seem to be operating on like a, on, on a different level than just pure material, you know, Salem is spooky because witch trials happened here, so I'm going to set my stories here. Right. So what is it with Salem the place that's enchanted you enough to write this series, set there, to move there, to be a tour guide there? Uh, is it just the history? Is there, is there some, some other thing going on under that? Um, I think it, it would be largely the history. Um, I, I think as far as why I end up writing these books um, is, you know, I, I grew up reading genre fiction. I grew up reading, you know, mysteries and science fiction and, and horror stories. Um, so that's kind of just the way my brain works. Um, mm -hmm. So if I go to write a story, my, my toolbox has, you know, spaceships and murder weapons and magic swords in it. Um, that's just how I think about storytelling. Those are the tools that I've got. And I, I knew pretty quick from my first visit, when I started to think about maybe writing a book about Salem, I knew pretty quick that I didn't want to lean into the, the Harry Potter view uh, of Salem. I mean, I, I know people who have not visited Salem and they're, they're convinced that, uh, you know, Salem is this magical Gothic city and that there's a, a, a witch and a ghost and a Balrog on every corner. Um, and I, and I, I knew like, I don't want to lean into that because that's not what I'm seeing. And that's not real interesting to me either. Um, I did think, well, I, I kind of want to try to look at the city roughly as it is, because that seems more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, than the, the sort of Harry Potter version of things. Um, so once you decide on that, then I guess other decisions kind of get made for you uh, in a way. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the way Salem does and doesn't live up to its reputation. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's a little unsettling or a little, a little um, I don't know, it took me back the first time I went to Salem. I had to take a few months to process it because I was expecting, you know, this, this, Honestly, I was expecting something like the Pioneer Village or Colonial Williamsburg or something. I was expecting this, you know, 17th century Mecca, <laughs> you know, yeah. all these buildings that none of, none of which are really there with the exception of one or two maybe. Um, so what is it about the history? Is it just that it's so dense and, and varied? Is that sort of what appeals to you about the history of Salem particularly? Uh, I think part of it, yeah. Um, but... I think another large part of it is just my interest in any place's history in, in general. Mm. Um, you know, when I first got here, I, I know this sounds kind of artsy and weird, but when I, when we first moved here, I kind of had to figure out where I was. Um, right. And uh, part of knowing about where I am is knowing the history of a place. Right. Uh, so I started to bone up on the history of, you know, who was here before me, uh, the answer being a hell of a lot of people. Um, so I had to, to, you know, familiarize myself with, um, with, with all the stuff that I, I, I wouldn't have heard growing up because I didn't grow up here. Right. Right. What surprised you when you, when you were doing that initial exploration? Like, is there a few chapters of Salem's history that, that strike you as something that uh, tourists just wouldn't 
have any sort of access to? Um, I think the, the spice trade and, and Salem being one of the wealthiest uh, cities uh, at the time, the, um, the fact that Pepper, uh, you know, built the city uh, in, in so many ways. Elias Haskett Derby makes gazillions uh, importing pepper, uh, which you wouldn't think was a, a cash crop, but it, it was for him. Mm. Um, I, I had no conception of Salem being so industrialized in the late 19th century, which I should have because it's a city in New England. So of course there's mills everywhere. Um, but Salem goes for you know leather tanneries much more than um, than you know cotton mills. We, we do have those, but it's, it's mostly known as a, a leather tanning city, uh, which then burns down in 1914. Um, I had no idea about that until I got here. That one's pretty surprising, <laughs> yeah. especially because you can you can still see the you know the you can so clearly see the area that was affected today still. Um, yeah, that, that one is definitely surprising. Um, so what is going on right now in, in, in the tour industry in Salem? Uh, we're all just waiting for the word from higher up. Um, last I heard, tours were supposed to be allowed to operate in phase three, and we're still in phase two right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of the conversation among ourselves has been, you know, what's that going to look like? Um, when we can finally open up and start doing tours, uh, there was some talk that it would be limited to 10 people. And uh, you're going to be out there with 10 people, hopefully keeping 10 people six feet apart, um, which now means that your tour is taking up 60 feet. Uh, so that's going to be weird and, and tricky. Yeah. Uh, so there are, are challenges ahead. And I, I, don't, uh, I don't really have any good answers right now myself. Mm. And I'm also concerned, as a lot of folks are, uh, I think, about a second wave of, uh, of this uh, or the idea that we're not even out of the first wave yet. Right. Um, so if we do get huge crowds downtown in October this year and we don't have a vaccine and we don't have a cure, I'm wondering if I want to be downtown in the middle of crowds. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's scary stuff. Um, it is. And I wonder, have you seen, you know, being on the ground as you are, um, have you seen any sort of long-term things happen in downtown Salem as a, a, or I will say the tourist part of Salem as a result of all this? I know Beer Works might be closing permanently in Cinema Salem. I've heard about those, but are are there others? Um, Not that I'm aware of offhand. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I hope not. You know, I, I, I want to see small, weird local businesses survive um, because they're, they're part of the whole fabric of the city. Um, so I hope, I hope nothing too terrible happens. Yeah. Uh, are, is there any indication, apart from the, the you know, people standing 10 feet apart, uh, or six feet apart and having 10 people per, per tour. Have you heard any other things kind of trickling through the grapevine as to, to how tours maybe could work safely? Uh, not really. Um, wow. I have not anyway. There might be folks out there with, you know, crazy ideas of how to make it work, but I, I haven't really uh, heard much. Wow. Um, yeah. 
That's a bummer. <laughs> it is. Yeah, because doing tours is fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, most of us are, are doing this because we just, we love the history and we love meeting people and talking to people and getting them excited about this stuff. Uh, so it's, it's bad times, dark times. Yeah. Did you, are you enjoying doing the video tours? I am. Um, I kind of fell off the wagon with those for, for a while. I need to get back to, uh, to doing those. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, I was enjoying doing those. I need to, uh, learn to slow down a little bit cause I talk really fast. Um, <laughs> and then, um, YouTube somehow when they, when they pick the f freeze frame that they're going to, to use for, for your video, um, I mean, I'm not much to look at generally, but uh, YouTube seems to pick the least flattering <laughs> still frame. So I, I kind of look like I've come to take your children or something. <laughs> um, so I don't know, which might, you know, maybe that suits the tour in some way. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on the tour, I suppose. Depends on the tours, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so are you continuing uh, past The Afflicted Girl? Or is that the, that's not the end of the series, is it? No, um, that's, that's the second one. Um, I've got a third one, which I'm uh, in rewrites for now. Um, I read the second draft of it last week. And um, as I was, as I said on, on the social media, uh, reading over a second draft for me is great because you get to feel smart and stupid at pretty much the same time. <laughs> Um, you, you, you read along and you think, okay, this, this part's pretty good. Uh, and then you, you get a little further along and you think, okay, this isn't working, but I think if I do this and this, it'll be better. Uh, and then you get to another section where you just think, was I drunk? What does this even mean? Why, why did I think this made sense? Um, so you, you get to feel, you know, smart and stupid at the same time. Um, so I, I've got another one that, uh, that I'm working on. Um, and then I, I, you know, not, not to bring the mood down, but it's, I, I don't know, because it's kind of a weird time to be writing about a cop hero, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it, it's something I've thought about before, but I'm, I'm thinking about a little more. Like, geez, this is, this is kind of weird and a little, a little tough. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to uh, look away from stuff that, that's going on. Um, but I also don't know that anyone, you know, that I can really handle what's going on uh, in a book either. Um, right. You know, like Agatha Christie, and I'm not an Agatha Christie fan. So, I mean, one of the things that I've, I've always, one of the problems I've always had with Agatha Christie, aside from her just being a crappy writer, um, <laughs> is that she always seems to really look away from stuff. Um, you know, England in the 20s and 30s and 40s when she was writing, had a lot of social problems going on, a lot of political stuff going on. And she just kind of consistently, you know, doesn't look at that stuff and just, you know, writes about her village and her eccentric little Belgian detective. Um, and I, I always think like there's, there's a bigger world that you're kind of looking away from and I don't want to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I process everything that's going on uh, and be able to, uh, deal with it uh, in a book or, or, or write a book with all of that kind of in the background. So it's all. Uh, wow. So, so in your second draft, you're, you're addressing some of these issues or thinking about addressing um, some of them? This one, no, but I've, I've got another one uh, that's kind of brewing in my head uh, that I, I think 
might have to take a step toward those things. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I, you know, most of this stuff I think um, is sort of over my head and probably beyond my ability to, to encapsulate or deal with. Um, and very few people need my flippant opinion on a lot of these things. Um, <laughs> but I also kind of can't, I think, um, write about a, a cop hero character without addressing, there, there are some problems with, with policing these days. So when did you, was, was uh, Gallows Hill your first uh, novel? Uh, no, um, there was one that I wrote when I was about 16. Um, uh, one summer I, I banged out a, a book on an electric typewriter in my parents' garage. Um, <laughs> and um, that, that's long gone. I've, I haven't seen that in 30 years easily. Um, <laughs> and then when I was in my 20s, I was working at Borders. Um, and... I had been an English major back when I was trying to go to college. And one of the things about being an English major is that you're, you're studying uh, all these, all the great works. And um, it's kind of intimidating. You know, if, if you're, if you want to be a writer and you're an English major, then you're reading, you know, Mark Twain and Virginia Woolf and, and Joyce and all these, you know, writers who kind of change the game. And you just think, well, I, I can't do that. Um, so it's not as inspiring as, as you would hope. So then I got a job at Borders. Uh, and few things will convince you faster that you can write a book than working at a place like Borders. Uh, <laughs> you just see books come and go all day. And, and that started to make me think, you know, no, I, I, I can do this. Um, so I, uh, I left Borders and uh, immediately wrote a a book um, and I was still living in Rhode Island and I was spending a lot of time down in Newport. Um, so I wrote Summerland, um, which is set in Gilded Age Newport. Uh, so I spent a lot of time going to Newport and touring the mansions and doing my 19th century research. So I sat down, I wrote that um, and made a kind of half-hearted attempt at finding a publisher, mm -hmm. uh, sending out queries and, and pitches um, but I, I probably gave up a little too fast. Um, and then life kind of went in a different direction for a while. And I came back some years later to the idea of writing a book when I was visiting Salem. Uh, so that became Gallows Hill. And um, my publisher about a year later said, you know, do you want to do another book? And I said, well, I've, I've got this, this book I wrote 20 years ago. Um, if you'd be interested in that, it's a period piece and it's different. Um, so, so Summerland came out. And the sort of distressing thing for me is that um, Summerland comes out second, although it was written first, and people would occasionally drop me a line and say, hey, I've read you know, both books. I read Summerland when it came out. I read Gallows Hill when it came out. Then I read Summerland. And man, you just made a huge leap <laughs> forward. Um, you know, and uh, you know, Summerland's like a, a real step forward in your writing. You just think, oh God, I wrote that. Jesus. Um, <laughs> So I don't know, I don't know what that says. Um, <laughs> but then I, I bash on ahead um, with the afflicted girl. So there's three novels out there. So what is so? How are you finding writing in in today's landscape? Having started what twenty years ago, thirty years I, ago? I guess. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. What is it like being a writer today? I know that's kind of a big open question, but. Um, there's so many pathways for, for fiction writers to take. How have you found it publishing today? 
Um, it was, it was, it was weird. Um, that's a great description. Um, <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs> um, when I wrote Gallows Hill, um, I, I was thinking, well, you know, when I wrote Summerland 20 years ago, I, I maybe didn't push hard enough. So let me, let me try to do all that stuff I'm supposed to do. Um, so I wrote Gallows Hill and I went to conventions and I, I joined, you know, the Mystery Writers of America. Um, and I did all the stuff I thought I was supposed to do. And the, the kind of weird problem I, I found uh, was that, you know, everybody you run into says, uh, you know, I, I know what you need to do. I've, I've got the secrets. Uh, you know, read my book. And it'll be the three pathways to success in publishing or, you know, take my seminar. Um, and I, I, I went to these, these conventions and listened to people do these talks. Um, and uh, and they, they said things that I didn't quite understand um, or, or didn't, didn't agree with. Um, you know, there, there are people who, who will say like, I know what the rules are. So never use a prologue, never talk about the weather, never say anything other than said in a conversation. Wow. Um, yeah, so like they've got the rules and they know this is how it works. Um, and was it William Goldman, the screenwriter who wrote Princess Bride and a bunch of other uh, hits? He had a, I don't know if it was a chapter in his autobiography um, called No One Knows Anything. <laughs> you know, and I, I kind of started to realize that, um, you know, one of the the things I ran into, one of the, the, the sayings I ran into, I was sternly admonished. No one reads prologues. Don't use a prologue in your book. No one reads prologues. And I had never heard that. I've been reading books, you know, since I was a kid. Um, and I, I never realized that no one reads a prologue. So I go over social media where I get all my good information. Uh -huh. <laughs> and um, I put out the question, hey, do you folks just not read a prologue? If you see a prologue in a book, do you just skip that? Um, and every last person came back and said, no, that's ridiculous. Why would you just skip part of the book? Um, it's like skipping chapter five. No one right. reads chapter five. <laughs> um, you know, so that's where I started to, to think like a lot of this advice I was getting was, was maybe crap. Um, so I, uh, that, that, that's when I kind of stepped back from a lot of the, um, the folks who, who wanted to give me the secrets and, and tell me they know, they know how it works, kid. Right. Um, so, right. So what, so what is your, what is your process like for writing the, the Linux series? Is it, do you have an overarching narrative across the novels sort of in mind? Not really. Um, I mean, vaguely, but not really. Um, maybe if I was smarter, I would have some sort of overarching story to pull you from book to book. Um, but I, I haven't come up with anything, uh, like that. So, I mean, I have a, you know, half dozen ideas jotted down for, for things to do in later books. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I get to them as I get to them, I, I suppose. Right. Are the things in, uh, the book and, or the books, and especially I'm thinking crimes, um, and are those things based on real Salem incidents? Uh, generally not, no. Huh. They are very, very well drawn. And, oh, and thank you. I, find my, I found myself flipping through being like, is this based on something? Because this feels real. Um, no, I, um, when I was first uh, researching Gallows Hill, I looked up the crime stats for Salem. Uh, 
and uh, found there are, there are two murders in Gallows Hill. And, and I found looking at the, the crime stats as of a few years ago, there hadn't been a murder in Salem for like 10 years. Wow. Um, you know, and I, I thought, well, that's odd. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of in the, the position of um, Colin Dexter, who wrote the Inspector Morse mysteries that are set in Oxford, England. Um, and I think in the course of the 10 or a dozen Inspector Morse novels, uh, there are, you know, 74 deaths in, in Oxford, um, you know, in his books, you know, so Oxford in his books is apparently the most dangerous place on earth. Um, so if I keep going with these books, yeah, Salem is going to be, uh, be a murder capital. If I have anything to say about it. <laughs> Among its many other, uh, claims to fame. Yes. Now a murder capital. Um, so who, who, in terms of other authors, would you say are influencing what you're doing with that series? A few years ago, um, I, I came across a police procedural writer, a guy named Hillary Waugh, W-A-U-G-H. Uh, and he lived in Connecticut, small town Connecticut. And uh, he was an incredibly prolific mystery writer. Uh, he wrote a book, sometimes two a year, for a good 30 years. Wow. Um, and uh, he started in the 50s, and he's considered to be the father or one of the fathers of the whole police procedural um, uh, genre. And he died uh, in the 90s, um, and I, I went searching, and I found his son. Uh, so I contacted the son, and, and we, we've chatted a bit um, about his dad, and he said that his, his dad was just a really charming, persuasive guy who could talk to anybody and was able to, in the 50s, talk his way into the police station. Um, and the next thing you know, he's driving around at midnight with cops um, you know, to watch them work. Um, and the, the son, Lawrence, um, you know, said in passing, yeah, he took me to my first autopsy when I was 15. <laughs> your, your first. There's more than one. Wow. Um, you know, so this guy was really deep in, in doing the research. And, um, and he writes about a, a small fictional town um, called Stockford. He lives in, in Guilford, Connecticut, or lived in Guilford, Connecticut. And he invents this little town called Stockford. And Stockford has, I think there are 11 uh, novels about the police chief of Stockford investigating crimes. So that's wow. sort of, you know, small town crime uh, with a, a police procedural kind of angle um, was appealing, you know, more appealing than for me, at least more appealing than a sort of Jessica Fletcher, small town, cozy uh, kind of approach. So he's, he's a, uh, he's inspiration uh, in a way. And, and also, I mean, I, he also shames me uh, considerably because this guy, like I said, wrote probably two books a year uh, sometimes and, and would was able to write for, you know, eight or 10 hours a day straight. Um, Jesus. So yeah, really prolific. Um, so I, I, I admire him. And uh, he also kind of, you know, is someone to try to catch up to uh, in a way. Wow. Eight to 10 hours of writing a day. That, yeah, that's... And, and then he was, um, he was elected uh, first selectman, which for Guilford where he lived is basically being the mayor. Yeah. Um, so he was the mayor for a couple of years and he, he only did one term because that cut into his writing time. 
<laughs> Man's got priorities. Man's got priorities. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what are, as someone who's, who's fairly well integrated in the Salem scene, and again, this is kind of a, a pre-COVID question, although I'm hopeful that it'll be a post-COVID question as well. Um, what are some places in Salem that, that, that you love to take people to, either as a tour guide or as uh, a resident showing friends and family or whoever comes to visit you? I, I know it's probably a weird, uh, grim answer, but the, the one place I always bring people is the Salem Witch Trials Memorial. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I know it's sort of grim to bring them to, uh, you know, here's a memorial to the 20 people that we killed. Right. Um, <laughs> that, that's a little, that seems a little sketchy. Yeah. Uh, I understand. But I think it's a really wonderful memorial. And it's, uh, I've, I've seen so many crappy, unimaginative memorials that I think that one's really, really wonderful. Um, it's also right next to the Charter Street Cemetery, which I really like. Um, that's uh, that's a, a lot of history there, a lot of great artwork on the, the stones. Um, you were asking about misconceptions. Um, every year in October, I will get two or three people who will say, is that a real cemetery? <laughs> um, and you, you, you kind of want to say, no, we spent all <laughs> September setting it up for you. But <laughs> you, know. well, you know, I mean, you say that, but then if Salem did do that, I wouldn't be that surprised. Either. It wouldn't be all that surprising, no. <laughs> um, no. So th those are two places uh, I, I like uh, bringing people. Um, I also uh, often direct people to Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery, mm -hmm. uh, which is a fun monster movie museum. And... Uh, several cuts above the usual kind of crappy tourist museum. Um, it's also the kind of the inspiration for Lennox's museum in, uh, in the books. Uh, oh, Lennox runs a, a true crime museum, which is kind of inspired by, by Count Orlocks. I totally see that. Wow. That's great. Do you um, think, do you think things are, I mean, you say crappy uh, museums and we will, we will not name any unless you want to. It, well, let's not name names, but I think we probably have the same, set in mind um, uh, i don't know what you mean <laughs> do you think or have you seen things changing in the salem tourism scene toward because it seems like to me there's this this fascinating tension i don't know if it's there really or if it just feels that way to an outsider but it seems like there's this tension between people slash businesses slash organizations who are trying to vie for something that is uh, rooted in authenticity or, or at the very least, you know, uh, wanting to paint a somewhat honest picture of Salem's history and culture and present. And then this whole other group of people who are sort of not interested in that at all and are more uh, in the way of thematic, dramatic, uh, you know, uh, allure, let's say. Um, is that tension real, first off? And then if yes, uh, how is it playing itself out these days, obviously pre-COVID? Right. Um, it's absolutely there. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very real, uh, I think, tense dynamic at times. Wow. Um, you know, there, there are definitely... Um, there are definitely folks who, who disapprove of, you know, the witch city uh, face uh, of Salem. And I, I can see their point. Um, you know, I, 
I'm a tourist guy. I like the kind of carnival atmosphere uh, downtown, but I, I also think that, you know, sometimes you just want to say, guys, come on. Um, I, I, I've seen, you know, I've seen buskers in the Charter Street Cemetery. Um, and and that, that's kind of classless. Um, there's, um, there was a guy dressed as a witch um, and he would sit on a bench and I'd walk the tour by um, and he would be sitting on a bench, kind of living statue, kind of frozen. Um, <laughs> and I think he had, you know, fake blood dripping out of his mouth. And the idea, I think, was supposed to sit down with him and take a, a selfie and, and give him five bucks. Um, and uh, that that seemed kind of gauche, um, you know, to me. Um, so I'm, I'm all for the idea of making it fun and making it accessible. Um, but I, I think uh, for me, my opinion has always been if, if I'm going to tell people's, if I'm going to tell people the story of the witch trials, I'm going to try to do right by those victims who were all killed horribly and try to tell their story right. Um, and, and not make them figures in my own B movie. Um, you know, I'm going to try to get the facts right and try to give people the, the straight story. Um, but yeah, there are certainly people who just don't care about that um, and, and come here because it's like Mardi Gras. Um, they want to have fun. I can't fault them exactly. Um, my, my attitude has always been, uh, you know, if people are coming here for the spooky, gothy, witchy stuff, we'll give them that but use that to get them to sit still for five minutes and, and then you can get the rest of Salem history to them that we need to, to get you the rest of the story uh, too. And I, I, I'm one of the folks who really thinks we should have a, a great Salem history museum. Uh, mm. Wonderful. Um, and we don't. Why not? Uh, and then, what, what is, what, what's keeping that from happening? I, I don't know. Um, I, uh, I mean, there, there is a sort of seasonal museum in Old Town Hall, uh, which is pretty well done. Um, but I mean, the, not, not to get off on a real rant, um, but yeah, the Peabody Essex, the Peabody Essex Museum, uh, for, for many years, it, it owned the, um, the Phillips Library, which was kind of Salem's de facto historical society. Um, but they seem to have, well, they moved all that to Rowley uh, quietly. Um, and they, they seem to have not been interested in uh, exploring Salem history, which is unfortunate because they're, they would be the ones to do it. Mm. Um, I also don't know why they haven't leaned into that because I just think if you, uh, if you put up a, a, an exhibit of Salem history, um, that's going to be a tourist attraction. People will like to see that. So yeah, and 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 like, what yeah, better way to chase the charlatans out of town than <laughs> do it very very well? <laughs> right. I wonder why they haven't done that. Are there have there been theories that have popped up over the years? Um, I I think they uh, I think they just they would like and I guess I understand they want to be a modern art museum, um, hmm. and it's too bad because they. You know, as I said, they, they acquired the Phillips Library when they merged with the Essex Institute. Uh, so they've got everything. Um, and I, I don't really know why they aren't interested in, in showcasing that. 
So that would include like they they have all the, ori- the original witch trial stuff that's left, right? They've they've got uh, I think a lot of that. Um, a lot of stuff uh, is in Danvers, uh, but a lot of it is is here or was here uh, in Salem. They also have you know the log books of all the the China trade uh, wow. merchants. Um, I think I had read they have four hundred Bibles, um, you know, various editions. Wow. Uh, and so on, all kinds of family papers. So, you know, it, it was the, the Phillips Library was evidently uh, the functional equivalent of the Salem Historical Society for uh, for decades. Wow, what a shame! I mean, it, it that needs to happen somehow. Yeah. Maybe it's a perfect time to start lobbying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's all been moved to Rowley. Uh, mm. into the a new building so it's it's all kind of done um, mm. and it uh, it was done very quietly huh. so something sneaky going on there <gasps> let's not get sued yeah <laughs> well, all right um, where can people find out more about you uh, Rory O'Brien books uh, I'm somewhat annoyed that I couldn't put the apostrophe in the, the website address because when <laughs> people leave out my apostrophe, it just vexes me. Uh, <laughs> Brian Books has information on the books and the tours and uh, the blog called The Essex Street Irregulars and all the other sort of stuff that I, uh, I do. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, sorry, sorry for the internet weirdness. It's... It happens. Yeah. This is the witch it's witchcraft. That's what it is. <laughs> They're trying to stop us. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Salem Witch Podcast brought to you by TwoSalem.com. My name is Joel. You can find all kinds of cool stuff about Two Salem on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Search for either Two Salem or Two Salem site. Also on YouTube. Please do subscribe to this podcast or YouTube channel or wherever you are consuming this content. Leave a bunch of comments, do a bunch of engagement. Stuff is growing really, really crazily cool. The support is insane. I absolutely adore it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for jumping on board with this weird little thing that I've made. You can find me on the social medias at whyisjoelaustin on Instagram and Twitter. That's all for today. Stay weird, witches. I'll see you next time.